0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I was driving through eastern Washington on some state roads. There was no rest stops or cities, but I'd done the route enough to know where there were massive dirt areas every like 40 miles where you could park safely away from the road and take a rest. I decided to call it a night and close my blinds and laid down to watch something on my phone. After roughly an hour, I hear someone try to pry open the driver's side door. I haven't heard any vehicles on the road the whole time that I'm parked, but I get up and peek out of the curtains. As I'm looking out into the blackness of the driver's side window, I hear them try the passenger side door. I peek down from the top of the curtain, but can't see anything, so... I start the truck and I kick on the lights. I'm fairly freaked out at this point, so I'm still not opening the curtains, but peeking through the gaps. There's nothing, though. Nobody is standing near either of my doors or parked with sightline. I take a deep breath and close the sleeper curtains, too, because for some reason that's going to make things better, right? Anyway... After laying back down and convincing myself that something must have blown against the truck and it only sounded like the doors, it was fairly windy outside and a lot of flat ground, I hear what sounds like someone trying to pry open the vents on the sleeper. The door handles start clicking again and the truck starts shifting like somebody is climbing on it. I hit the little alarm button in the sleeper hoping to spook them off, but it does nothing but add to the noise of the door handles then there were fingers tapping on the windows and the chassis and finally the hiss of the air coming out of the suspension and then all of a sudden it just stops. There's a few moments where I can only hear myself breathing and my heart pounding before I hear another truck approach and then drive by. I spent the next few hours waiting for whatever it was to come back but it never did. In the morning, I couldn't find any footprints or damage to my truck, but on every single window, there were these tiny human looking handprints, almost like a toddler had licked their hands and stuck it to my window over and over again. I'm not sure what was out there that night, but man, am I glad that my truck withstood the test. Around 2006-ish, I was driving flatbed, picked up a load of construction material, drywall roofing, don't remember really but it was pre-packaged in boxes and I remember having to use strap protectors on the load, in rural Tennessee. My memory is foggy now but I want to say that it was between Memphis and Nashville but closer to the intersections of the M S A L T N state lines. Anyway... Tarp required so I strapped everything down, tarped the load and left the shipper. About five miles down the road, in the middle of nowhere, woods on a two lane road, I noticed my tarp flapping in the wind. I found a wide shoulder and I pulled over to fix it. I realized pretty quickly too that I just flat out did a terrible job tarping this load and decided to just redo the whole thing on the side of the road. So I undo all the bungee straps, drag the tarps off, roll them back up, climb up on the load and start unrolling the tarps again. And I see a guy walking down the road, same side of the road that I'm on, coming towards my truck. I don't really think anything of it, other than to keep an eye on him because well, I'm in the middle of nowhere and I just continue what I'm doing. About the time that I have the tarp set in place and am climbing down to start hooking the bungee straps back on, this dude is getting pretty close now, enough so that I'm now paying more attention to him than I am to tarping my load. I grab my winch bar and set it on the trailer where I'm working, just in case. It's an 8 pound solid metal bar about 4 feet long, tapered to a blunt end on one end and it's also hollow on the other, it's used for tightening straps and chains and stuff like that. So, the guy gets to me and the first thing that I notice is his hair. It's like a mullet, but it's sort of really patchy. Like he tried to cut his own hair or something and maybe had a seizure in the process and said, eh, good enough to party. The next thing I noticed though were his eyes, which I can only describe as just off. Like, they were clear. I didn't think that he was drunk or high or anything, but... It also just gave me the distinct impression that the elevator just didn't go all the way up there. His clothes were dirty and not well maintained, with dirty white tennis shoes. And I remember this because he didn't have laces on one shoe and the tongue was noticeably out of place too. He stops by me, waits until I acknowledge him and just says, I've got a long walk. I'm like... Uh, yeah man, you do you, we're in the middle of nowhere, making it clear that there's no ride to be had here. He nods though, starts walking by me, continuing on his way, stops at about the driver door on my truck and turns around, comes back to me and repeats himself, I've got a long walk he says. At this point I explain that I just can't give him a ride, insurance and all that, apologize for not being able to help him out and he seems to accept this turns around and he leaves I wait for him to get a little ways away from my truck and I start working on finishing the tarp job I still keep an eye on him of course and he's moving away from me now and as I'm putting on the last of the bungee straps I just look over to check where he's at and he's turned around heading back towards me again Now about a hundred yards in front of my truck and coming back my way. It looks like he's maybe talking on a cell phone. He has his hand to his face and I can barely make out his mouth moving. His other hand is waving like he's having a conversation with someone but I finish with the straps, grab my winch bar and am climbing into my truck as he's about 10 yards away now. And as soon as I'm in the cab I lock the doors immediately and set the winch bar on the passenger seat, just in case. I look at the guy and realize that he's not talking on a phone. He's talking to his hand. And now I'm beginning to get a bit nervous because he doesn't look like he's having a nice pleasant chat. Instead, it looks more like an angry conversation. Either way, I crank the truck off to put it into gear and just pull out and didn't look for traffic or anything. As I pass him, he's just looking at me, still holding his hand to his face with a dead look and just staring at me. It gave me the creeps, and about the time that I hit fifth or sixth gear, I look in the mirror, and all of a sudden, there's just nobody there. So to start off, this happened around six years ago. I was 13 and my friends and I, we decided to hit up the local haunted maze for Halloween one year. We saved up for the tickets, which were somewhere around $20 each. Then we set out the day before Halloween. There were three of us in total and we waited in line for over an hour to get on the ride to take us to the maze, which was about 30 minutes away from everything else due to the size of it. We were stoked. And when we finally got there, we waited another 15 minutes to get into the actual maze. But then we started our way through. The only thing we could all think though was, wow, this is pretty lame. And it was very basic at first anyway. A few hanging dolls, creepy music boxes, and some weak jump scares. But the further that you went, the scarier it got. They had trailers set throughout the maze that you'd go through and explore, and some of them were pretty gruesome, I'll admit. We finally understood, though, why there was a gore warning in the first place, and a need to know what you were allergic to, as we were sprayed with fake blood once or twice. Somewhere around halfway through the maze, though, a man in a striped sweater came out of the corn. I don't remember much about his costume outside of the dark hair and the black and the red striped sweater, But he followed us at a distance, didn't really say anything. It was definitely unsettling in a way that the other things hadn't been. There was a long distance between my group and the one that was allowed to go in after us, as they made people wait around 15 minutes between the groups to send them. We figured the guy would leave at some point, but it didn't stop us from checking over our shoulders constantly to see when or if he had. He didn't leave up until we hit an area with strobe lights, A sort of giant dumpster and a chain link fence set up on its own, sort of like a little maze. And right as we walked by the dumpster, another worker hopped out and began chasing us through the maze. My friends and I ended up tripping and sort of piling over one another. And the employee was kind enough to sort of stop and help us up, then slowly walked us out of the chain link area. We walked a bit past it when the striped sweater dude was there again. He followed us all the way to the end, through this sort of tunnel where the walls closed in on you at all sides, then disappeared as we hit the last batch of zombies, which included one of our friends that was unable to come that night. After getting through them, we walked to the exit, and the sweater wearer was there again, but we had to actively walk past him this time, instead of him being behind us, and I just remember a feeling of just pure dread as I got closer to this guy, Back when I was 13 too, I had very, very long hair. I hadn't cut it in like years and it was down past my hips. As I walked past this guy, he reached out and grabbed a fistful of my hair and yanked on it, knocking me backwards. My friends stopped when they heard me fall though and ran back to get me as they'd gotten a bit ahead of me. And the second that we started walking again, the man in the sweater grabbed my shirt and this time I flipped out. I pushed his hand away and booked it out of there with my friends yelling at this guy. Later on, we were talking to our friends who worked there about it, asking if she knew who that was, as all employees meet up before their shifts in their designated employee area to find out where they'll be stationed for that shift. And when I did, she looked confused, and then told us that none of her co-workers at the maze wore striped shirts, as it didn't fit in with any area of it and all costumes are coordinated to specific areas. She said that she would look that night closer, but didn't see anyone that matched what we told her. And six years later, I still have no idea who that was or what would have happened if my friends didn't hear me fall.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: I'm a 25-year-old male and I started a job at a company that makes lenses for glasses and immediately I was introduced to a guy called Nate. He was an awkward guy around my age that seemed like he had good intentions. I mean, he was nice enough, but I figured that most people humored him when it came to talking to him. I was convinced that he was on the spectrum in the realm of Asperger's or something. I've had friends in the past who have had Asperger's as well, and I didn't really mind. Besides, we seemed to like the same things anyway, including Dungeons and Dragons. My D&D group was small, and we wanted more people, and knowing that he was into D&D, I invited him to come and join one day. My wife, then fiancé, immediately grew uncomfortable though when he came into our home to make his character and when it came to actually playing sessions, another girl at our table also expressed that she was really uncomfortable with this guy. I didn't feel great about it so after three to four sessions we kicked him out and we just continued playing. But I still had him at work which led to him always acting sad around me but I wasn't going to give in. Eventually though I just kept telling him that I was starting another group, and he could join that one. Yada yada yada. His pity party was starting to annoy me, though, so... I said whatever to keep him at bay. One day at work, he had the day off, and the following weekend... Not me or my co-workers saw this, as strange as it may be, but... When Monday came, he still didn't show up. Tuesday, no show, and... This was really unlike him, because he was practically a teacher's pet. Soon... One of my co-workers was moving around the warehouse with a phone in her hand, stopping people and sharing the news, because Nate had been arrested in North Dakota as he attempted to meet an underage girl for sex. We were all just in disbelief because, well, I guess that's the first feeling that hits you with stuff like this. You just don't want to believe that somebody like that could live in your town, let alone work right beside you. Indeed, He was in contact with a minor over the internet and set up a meeting at a park or something with the intention of having sex. The police were tipped off as a teacher just happened to see the messages on the girl's phone. I nearly puked when I heard the news because well, he was in my home and made comments about my kids being so cute, especially my daughter which definitely made me even more sick. He would talk to me sometimes about wanting a girlfriend and how he was just waiting for the right one to come along. Someone in his church group and now it really scares me to think how old this girl was. One of my friends at work mentioned how he went to install a washer and a dryer at Nate's house once and when looking around, he was yelled at by Nate to not go upstairs. Not in a, oh that's my room and I would prefer no one go up there sort of vibe, More like, there's something up there and I don't want you to see it, type of thing. Anyway, he was arrested and put in prison, like I said, and remains there to this day as far as I can tell. I guess it just goes to show that you can't really know everybody. And I guess that's what's truly scary about this. my ex and I first got together, we stayed at his dad's place out in the high desert of California. There's nothing really much out there but sand, drugs, and old people. His dad's place was a sort of sublet of types. There was a house and I guess what you might call apartments attached to it. The apartment had a living room, a bedroom. It had a kitchen and a bathroom too. All confined in a really tight space though. His dad was an older man in his 80s. Slept on the couch. My ex said that that's just how it's always been, too. Now, I've been sensitive to things like ghosts and spirits and the like all my life. My first experience being when I was less than a year old outside the church of my great uncle's funeral, where I alerted my cousin, who was holding me, to his apparition on the other side of the street. That's a story for another time, for sure, but. It's just always been like this for me, and I really don't know why. But anyway, that place just always made me nervous. I knew immediately that something was just wrong there, so wrong. In the bedroom, there was enough room for a queen-size bed, bedside tables on either side, and a large closet with one of those sliding doors. Since I was a child, I've always had a rule of keeping closet doors closed at night, There were places that I often saw things, especially ones that never walked this earth or were supposed to anyway. I remember this one night specifically. I was laying in my bed with my ex and I suddenly felt a panic attack coming on. The weight in the room had shifted and there was just something there and in the dark the closet door was open There was a reason for this, and I'll circle back to that later, but I had always had issues sleeping there, especially near that closet. But that night, I looked into the darkness, and I saw something. My breath hiked up in my chest, and my ex asked me what was it. I said, I see it, it lives in the closet, and I knew something had lived there, but this was the first time that it was letting me see it. My ex got really silent all of a sudden, And then he told me that he believed me, that he knew something terrible lived in that closet. How it had attached to his father, he doesn't know, but he said that his dad, this man in his mid-80s, would burst in at like 2 or 3 or 4 in the morning and scream and wake him or us up if that closet door was closed. He would fling it back open, storm out and go back to the couch in the living room, and he had been doing this since they moved into this place. I think that's why he always slept on the couch, but what I saw was definitely not a human or even humanoid. It had teeth and sort of cat-like ears and eyes. I could see the teeth glistening through and they were yellow. It was smiling at me, maybe? I observed it slowly, trying to breathe and see if it would tell me anything, really, or what it wanted, who it was working for, how it came to be, just anything. I can usually get things to talk to me like that, but this thing continued to just stare and smile at me. I immediately got out of bed, and I fled to my car outside. I began texting different friends to try and figure things out. I wanted to be told, was it going to hurt me? Was I in danger by staying there? Why had it shown itself to me now? my ex was screaming at me that if i play into it that if i used pagan ways of handling it that it would get worse he was an orthodox jew and he had his own beliefs especially about mine but i just started to refuse going there after this refused staying there refused pretty much everything in fact my ex and i we had a bit of a toxic relationship so it wasn't hard to cut ties to that house in the end which i'm actually grateful for months passed by and eventually he told me that his dad had suffered a major injury in this house he had slipped and hit his head and hit his head so badly in fact that he was barely able to function now it's sad but his father will probably die alone in that house and with this thing in the closet and there's not a thing Anyone can or will do to save him. His daughter is trying to get him to move in with her, I believe, or was at least. I don't know, but my ex and I have not had contact over the last few months, but I believe that this thing in the closet is probably attached to him. That it's been feeding off of him for so long that even if he does move, it'll come with him. I just really hope that whatever injury his brain sustained is enough to make him not too afraid. Because perhaps that's a mercy. In the summer of 2016, during a summer camp, we went to Henry Cowell Park in California to camp out. The day itself was normal, having fun throughout many activities. In my tent, I was with three of my friends. Their names are Sam, Mark, and Dave. We set up our tent in a small open area with a grove of trees. We were on the right side while the girls set up their tent on the left side. We had s'mores and we just sort of hung out and then we went to sleep. During the middle of the night, at about 12ish, I heard something going through our bags, which were on the cable adjacent from our tent. Since it was late, I assumed that it was just an animal, like a raccoon or something, and so I just fell back to sleep. About 15 minutes later though Dave woke me up and he whispered to me something's pressing up against the tent. I sort of lightly pressed my hand up against the side of the tent and then something pressed it back. I was obviously frightened for a few seconds then I chalked it up to be an animal once again since we were obviously in the wilderness. We shook off the feeling and eventually we just sort of went back to sleep. I know kids are pretty stupid right? Anyway, I then woke up at six-ish and had to use the restroom. I opened the tent flap and was instantly greeted with the sight of some of our bags open and laying all over the floor. I exited the tent to investigate. I then thought about telling my bunkmates and I turned my head. And the tent had flipped over onto its side. This was really strange because we had securely planted the stakes into the rings to hold down the tent. I then noticed that the steak seemed to have been taken out. What was really strange though was that when we were asleep, we had not felt the tent flipping over. Confused and sort of worried, I woke everyone else up and they were unsure of what happened too. We set up the tent once again and went through our bags, but nothing from our bags was taken. So we just sort of went on with our day until it was breakfast time. We got our breakfast and went back down to our campsite. We sat down at the benches and tried to think of what caused the tent to flip over like that. I then explained what I heard and felt the previous night to my friends. That's when the girls approached our table and asked Sam, why were you snooping around our tent last night and why were you staring at us? We all explained that it wasn't any of us since none of us had exited the tent at any point. We explained what also happened to us last night. And the girls were starting to freak out a bit. After a while of us trying to find some sort of a logical explanation for these events... We eventually came to the agreement that we had no idea what happened... And to just try and forget that it never happened in the first place. My friends and I explained our experience to the counsellors... Who couldn't come up with any explanation too. And I've explained this story to many of my friends... We just have not been able to come up to a definitive answer on what might have happened that night. In February of 2013, I was dating my wife at the time, and we decided to take a trip to a resort on Lake Delavan in Wisconsin. The weather was cold, but not unusually so, and we thought that it would be a neat getaway. To set the stage, the place was pretty much deserted when we arrived. It's mostly a summer attraction for families from Illinois to come on vacation. There's a beach where you can go swimming and also a nearby golf course. People also frequently use the resort for weddings. However, when we were there, there was a thick layer of snow on the resort grounds and the lake was frozen over from months of sub-freezing temperatures. Not even Valentine's Day was enough to attract more than a handful of guests. We checked in and were directed to our room, which was about two-thirds of the way down a long deserted hallway. The hallway had a long line of rooms on the left side, which faced the lake. Walking to the room was kind of eerie because we passed an arcade that was completely deserted, and there was no sign of anyone else staying in that wing for the night. The hallway was also completely empty and silent. When we arrived at the room, it seemed nice enough and had a pretty view of the frozen over lake. There was one bed adjacent to the wall nearest the bathroom, which was on the right side when you entered the room. We decided to go out and walk on the ice. As my wife was from a warmer climate and had never done so before, we thought that it would be neat. And when we returned, the first strange thing happened. So as I opened the door to our room, I realized that I had left the light on. However, it abruptly turned off when we entered the room. It looked like one of those lights that has a timer and a motion sensor, so I dismissed it as just a coincidence. The rest of the evening was pretty uneventful. We went to dinner at the resort restaurant and had a couple of glasses of wine. We were pretty tired too by this time, so we ended up going to bed pretty early. And I must have woken up at around 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd say, with just a really uneasy feeling. The room felt like someone turned the heat off. As I shook off the fogginess of my sleep, I then noticed a figure standing next to the bed. My hair instantly stood up on end, and as I tried to make out what it was, I realized that it was a woman with dark hair and a light-colored dress who was sort of glowing. But Before I could make out any more detail, she just sort of dissipated right in front of my eyes. I sort of rubbed my eyes a bit and... I just sort of dismissed this as maybe a, a weird dream a, a lucid dream sleep paralysis maybe and eventually just drifted back to sleep but about an hour later I woke up again with that same feeling she was back however this time I was able to make out more detail she appeared to be Native American I would say and had braided hair with a light colored traditional dress I didn't get the sense that she wanted to harm me or anything She eventually dissipated again without saying anything or really moving. But as I laid in bed, paralyzed by what I experienced, my wife abruptly sat up. Thinking that she was awake, I said, Honey, are you up? But got no response. Her eyes were still closed and she laid back down again. Later she told me that she didn't have any memory of doing this. I didn't get to sleep for a long time that night, but... Also didn't experience anything else after that, which I was grateful for. The next morning, we woke up and were laying in bed just talking. We hadn't been dating that long at that time, and I was afraid of making her think that I was crazy by telling her what had happened. Finally, though, I decided to do it and see if she remembered anything from the night before. And As I recounted my story, the lights on the headboard above us flickered on and off. They were turned off at that time too, so I found this to be very strange. Later that morning, we went into the bathroom and also noticed that the sink was on full blast. And neither of us recalled even using the sink that morning, let alone putting the sink on full blast like that. We checked out that day and asked the hotel receptionist, in passing, whether or not the resort had any reports of being haunted. I sort of expected them to laugh it off, but... I instead got a very defensive vibe and denial from them. I later researched the lake and the resort and found out that the grounds were home to Native American burial mounds and was apparently known to be haunted. I had no idea that this was the case before we went. I even found a post discussing how staff reported seeing a woman in a white dress who would wander the halls of the resort. But I can't help but wonder... If that was the woman that I saw that night. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.